0: Welcome back. This is the AZN Connection Podcast. I'm John Gallardo and alongside me is Ria Lissandra and Jeffrey Tram covering all the topics from A to Z. But today we're going to be talking about 2020. Yes, it is about that time of the year where we reflect on the year that has been. We're at the tail end of 2020, thank God. But, you know, it's been a rough year and that's a a heavy, heavy understatement. But regardless, we're here to talk about it. So first, I want to ask Ria, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. I think this year has been really difficult for a lot of uh, for a lot of reasons, and I think everyone can relate to it in their own way. And but as it's coming to an end, I, I do have hope for the new year to be at least a little bit better. I know it won't be like completely back to normal. That's for sure, but. I think hopefully we'll get a better grasp on how to deal with things in 2021.
0: Hopefully. I mean, mm-hmm. Jeff, do you share that optimism?
2: Um, It's hard to, especially with everything we see on the news, what we read on social media, everything that's going on. But I think we have no choice but to, we got to be positive. Otherwise what's the point of going forward, you know? For
0: sure. For sure. And I can tell, well, I guess I can speak for most of us here in, on this podcast and in journalism, I think a lot of us this year really suffered from news fatigue because uh, for the people that are listening that aren't in any sort of journalism program or pr- that practice of field, you read a lot of news. And I think this year, especially, it just became a lot harder to read the news because, I mean, at the start of the year, we we're already hearing about potential World War III scares and you know bushfires in Australia stuff like that it was really heavy stuff to take in and then you know we go into February Kobe Bryant's death was obviously hard for a lot of people to cope with too so I guess I would just want to ask you guys how did you I guess approach consuming the news with all of this you know nothing but good news coming out for most of this year
2: I think for me I definitely had to take some breaks because obviously there was a lot of negative news but I think it's important news because it's important that we know about what's going on in the world especially as journalists but also just as human beings uh, especially with social issues I think this year if anything that it's good that some stories were more prevalent um, and we'll talk about that later on in the podcast but definitely also taking mental breaks just kind of like also watching something more comedic or more fun and relaxing, listening to music, trying to not have that consume your whole day and consume your whole mood um, because that can take a negative toll. I think that's the best way to approach it rather than consuming it 24 seven. And I imagine like, especially the journalists who are working on the field, right? Who are covering these stories on a daily basis. I'm sure they have their structure of like trying to balance all that reporting with keeping their sanity and being happy at the same time.
1: I agree. I think this year, although there was a lot of bad things that had happened, to say the least, but there was a lot of good journalism that happened this year as well. A lot of great stories came out. And I think in terms of like people who are in the field who are constantly looking at these stories and looking at the news, There is a need to just have a break and I think I also kind of had that like I I have like Sundays where I try not to look at the news as often uh, because I think it just gets really overwhelming if you're constantly staring down and like scrolling over and over again refreshing news pages yeah but like how did you handle with it how did you handle that John
0: well for me I always took a lot of breaks off social media there's a film on Netflix that I actually haven't seen, but I've heard a lot of people talk about called The Social Dilemma, where basically it just talks about how phones and you know social media is consuming our lives. I felt like it was very important this year just to take breaks from even just looking at my phone because it can be, I guess, it can raise your anxiety when you're just seeing all these bad stories after bad stories. And you guys are right. It's important that we read those stories because we need to know what's going on in the world. But at the same time, just for your own mental health just knowing that there's nothing good going on right now is very depressing and it eats away at your sanity right so i think for me the best thing that i did this year was learning to take those breaks off social media super important but um i guess i want to go back a little bit to the start of the year again because i was in a way different headspace than i was now 12 months later so i want to ask you guys how did you sort of approach going into this year and what were your expectations for this year?
2: For me, I had an optimistic view of this year uh, because for you guys too, I guess you guys graduated this year and I'm about to graduate in like a day of this recording. Uh, You know, this is going to be the last year at Carleton's journalism program. And this is a scary time just, you know, finishing school. And I know you guys are experiencing that right now and trying to think optimistically about the future and our careers. I was in that mindset, like I'm ready to take that next step. I'm gonna be an adult (laughs) and uh, (laughs) uh, make that next jump. And obviously things changed. And I think I definitely, between then and now, I wouldn't say my approach has changed. If anything, I'm a lot more wiser And if anything, my objectives are more clearer now. What would you think? What would you say that changed for you?
1: I think, again, like, as you said, I did go into the year with, like, a positive outlook. Like, I was really excited to finish. I knew it would be the last semester. I'd be done school. I could possibly think about doing master's if I really wanted to. I I had, like, a lot on my mind about what was going to happen in the next 12 months, but then plans changed drastically i remember kind of being upset when well not kind of like really being upset when march hit and i was like really excited to be part of midweek which is like the radio program at our at our university and then suddenly like everything changed and i had to go home in the middle of the semester and trying to adjust like being back home and doing online schooling and then finishing and not really having much of a celebration like a last Hoorah! that you're finished and then just like a couple months of like wondering like if I should be looking for a job at all at this point if there's any hire, any other hiring in my field like I, I was really I was really negative about like what was going to happen but like luckily for me like I did find a journalism job that I could do remotely and I know not everybody had that opportunity so I'm, I'm lucky in that sense. So now my my mindset is a little bit happier, but I'm not sure about anybody who wasn't able to have those opportunities.
0: Yeah. And I definitely agree with uh, just the conversation about job security and looking for a job right now in the field of media and journalism. It's really tough. And, you know, I struggled with it a lot too. And I'm still struggling to find a real full-time gig in the journalism field, but Regardless about that, I mean, I think this year, and I think for every year, people come into the year with expectations of, oh, this is going to be our year, you know, 2020 is going to be my year, I'm going to accomplish all my goals for the year. Everybody usually goes into the year with that sort of mindset. but Then, you know, we just got hit with such a huge reality check that, you know, there's a lot of things you can't control in this world, and there's a lot that you can't. And one of those things is a global pandemic, which really you know, shut down a lot of things for a while. And, you know, it took away a lot of opportunities that, you know, I know for me, speaking for me and Rhea, we were really excited for our convocation, for example. And we haven't had that till this day. I mean, I have my diploma over here, like in the envelope, just in the envelope, because I don't want to hang it up. Because I feel like once I hang it up, it's, that's it, it's over. It signifies the end of my university career and I'm not ready to let go of that yet because I still haven't had that moment where I can walk on the stage and say that, you know, I really did this. So even though I have the diploma now, and even though it's already over, I still kind of long for that feeling of accomplishment almost. So there is that one thing that was taken away, but I mean, there were a lot of good things that came out of being stuck at home for so long. Right.
2: No, I was gonna say because I was gonna cut in on the fact that you were talking about 2020 being your year. We were going to go into this year with new perspectives. Me and you, John, we created the NBA's most valuable podcast. Right. And that was something that we wanted to like not that we weren't focused on journalism, but I thought that at least for me, and you could speak for yourself, but I really wanted to zone in. Like I I think as I got later into my Journalism school, I started really focusing on like, I got to take this more and more seriously. You know, first year, you know, you don't really take the university and schooling seriously. But as you get through the years, you're like, you're getting closer to like the end and you're going to have to look for a job after. So I was like, starting to really take it more seriously. And even with my friends, they were talking about like, oh, you haven't really done much um, in terms of uh, creating journalism opportunities for yourself. So I was like, yeah, you know what, you're right. And that's why I think the NBA's most valuable podcast was a good start, and going into this year, I was really, really focused. I produced some of my best journalism work, I think, with the school assignments. I was in the 25th Hour, which is a video production, TV show, documentary class, where we get to create some really interesting and introspective work, and I was able to expand, actually, because me and my partner, Chelsea, shout out to her, uh, we created some short films that talked about our diversity, ethnicity, and that was something that I know our program, and I think you've seen later in the year how there was this controversy about how there was a lack of representation, lack of, they didn't tell enough stories about people of color. And I knew that something I was really proud of in that class was we, all our stories represented that. So that was proud of that moment as well. And I was putting enough work where I had got, I got accepted to a Ghana internship. And because of this pandemic, it got canceled. So I think and I, I'm obviously not the only one who's experienced this. I think that was one of the biggest disappointments of this year, that something that I worked really hard for was stripped away because of something out of my control. And I think that's a theme for a lot of people that we all have to overcome. And I think I have recovered in a way, cause I've been, I'm still building my own opportunities myself, but that one's tough because I think that would have been a life changing experience. And, uh, Sometimes I have this sentimental feeling of like things like that, and then also personal things that were happening this year. I would think that this year was like, like a lot of people were saying, like twenty twenty is the worst year of their lives, and I sometimes have those feelings too. But at the same time, I've grown a lot from this year. Yeah, and I think that's a good, positive way to look at this year.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to speak for all the graduates, but I feel like just for me anyway you work for that moment for four years to really, you know, that payoff of just walking on the stage, like I was saying earlier, I mean, it's almost soul crushing to think that that was taken away from us. And hopefully we still get that opportunity to do that. But I mean, yeah, it's, it sucks, but you just have to move on. And I feel like a lot of people found ways to cope with losing out on these opportunities and, you know, spending a lot of time at home in quarantine it it really made me you know question like what what am i even doing what's my career path now you know cuz i really expected to you know at least graduate from the program and then head into some sort of internship or some sort of day job you know working 9 to 5 on that sort of routine and i think once the pandemic hit i really started to i guess miss the trivial nature of everyday life because they're the little things like just being able to ride the bus without a mask or, you know, being able to go to the grocery store and, you know, not sanitizing all the time frequently and, you know, like almost thinking like, oh, there are germs everywhere, right? That peace of mind of just living normal life, I feel like I took that for granted big time. And I think a lot I could speak for a lot of people that could feel the same way because this pandemic has shown us that life might not be the same ever again.
2: Right. And for me as a student going into this year, the biggest thing for me was I actually do not like working at home. Like I like going to school, going to lectures, or going to the library studying with friends. I really struggled like focusing working at home. And I think it's the same thing with a lot of people going to work. I think people pr- prefer the act of going to work rather than working from home. How about you, how did you uh, experience uh, working at home?
1: Uh, well, I, I agree with you. I'm one of those people that, that does like commuting. I, d- I don't know, I just, it's part of the routine. I don't mind it. I kind of miss it, to be honest. And cause my mind just kind of goes blank on the bus. I don't really think about anything. Kind of miss having that opportunity. But now my life is that, is it's kind of contained in like one to three rooms in my house my desk is like right next to my bed which is behind me and I kind of just go from here focused on work maybe I'm distracted a couple of times but then like the bed's right there I could just sleep it's it's kind of like this weird thing where my views are just a couple walls (laughs) and uh Mm. and I don't see people like my only interaction is over zoom or a phone call and that's although that's cool that i get to like at least talk to people and not like just email them it's definitely a different way of of networking as well like a big part of journalism is also like networking and getting those connections and that's kind of been a little bit hindered but at the same time um because of online and people are at home i've also been able to just reach them on the phone so that's been that's been fun but again i would prefer if i could Work at like a regular office or like some sort of building that is not my home, yeah it definitely kind of brings into like I don't stop thinking about work and because it's like all in the same environment, and I could technically not have those boundaries of like I stop working at this time because it just happens to be in one room, so I could just keep working until like nighttime, so that kind of gets really unhealthy for me mentally, like I feel like I need to force time blocks so I don't end up like overworking myself and I know that you John have also done some work at home as well so
0: yeah most of the stuff I do with uh, ballandroll.com which is the website that I write for for like basketball blogs all of it's done remotely from home so you know it's weird because I don't even work on a schedule I just have a quota I need to meet every week so I have to write at least three to four articles a week about any any of the topics that we have on our website so you know i don't really have a specific deadline so sometimes i'm really just up at 2 a.m in the morning and i'm like okay i got an idea so i'm cranking it out but you know i i would like that structure of just having a 95 schedule working on that schedule i miss that commuting too like you were saying uh, for some odd reason the bus is my favorite sl- favorite place to sleep that's not my bed i know a lot of people disagree with me on that but Trust me, man, those bus naps, they hit different. So I miss those too. But, I mean, aside from that, I think I'm still very grateful that I'm able to have opportunities like this even remotely because right now sports is especially a hard field to break into. But having a platform to be able to showcase my work, I'm very grateful for that. And just in general, I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that I even made it through this whole year because there's a lot of people that haven't. So, you know, every day is a blessing, as cheesy as it sounds. And I think more than ever this year, I learned that waking up in the morning is like, honestly, the best blessing you can have for the day, right?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned sports. Um, when was it for you? I think that you, you were t- we were talking about this off air, but you were saying that it, the pandemic became real for you when the NBA season got canceled.
0: Yes. So here, here's my explanation on that. It's not just me being like a super sports fan and not paying attention to coronavirus because coronavirus was a thing as early as December of 2019. And then it started picking up the um, traction in the news cycle around, I think, January. January was the first time we heard about this. I remember this. I think it was in uh, our second or third week of uh, doing midweek at Carlton. And one of our colleagues did a story on coronavirus. And I remember just asking him, I was like, oh, hey, what's this coronavirus thing? Can you tell me about it? And, you know, they're telling me all this stuff about how it's a virus, you know, it's spreading. First case might be in Ottawa. I'm like, oh, shit, that's kind of crazy. But I never could have imagined it, you know, erupt to something like this. But what, when it really hit me as a realization that this pandemic is super serious, was when the NBA decided to postpone their season until further notice. Because once that happened, all the dominoes started to fall with the other sports leagues canceling their seasons or postponing their seasons. And after that, you start to see schools close, you know, schools across the province, across the country. And then you get to see other businesses starting to close down too. And then all of a sudden we're in a lockdown. So I think not that the NBA really started the wave, but I feel like the first domino fell and then after that, everything just started tumbling down. And the next thing you know, we're stuck in our house for, I think we were stuck for two or three months. I can't even remember. Because the time passing in 2020, it just feels so warped. Like, I don't know if you guys agree with that, but it, it feels weird to me.
2: Mm-hmm. I, um, <laughs> I remember going to the clubs in March right I think it was right before because i still was like uh i don't if 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 i actually kind of had a clue just because i was really following what was going on but i was like so i was like you know what it's probably going to close for a while so i might as well go so i went into march which was really funny but like no one was taking it seriously back then No, and i think for a lot of people you you mentioned the sports leagues i think that was one of the key moments of realization for a lot of people another point of realization was the cancellation of classes or the move to, from classes uh from in-class lectures to online yeah and how quickly they had to adjust that i remember like the hysteria of like the, the professors trying to figure out what to do yep um i was a little i didn't know what to do especially since i was in you and you guys were in the radio class i was in the video production class and we were about to go shoot our third documentary And all of a sudden, they're telling us, don't go out to shoot. Do not go out to shoot. So we're like, okay, so then how are we going to do this final show? And we also had, this show was supposed to be broadcasted worldwide for like some kind of environmental, I think like World Earth Day uh, show. And that was completely canceled. So I was like, what's this semester? How are we going to finish this? And we were emailing our prophet. She's like, I have no idea. We're going to have a meeting about this. That was just like a real like, wow, like what's going on?
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember those days very vividly before schools were canceled because I don't know why, but I was on campus the day before classes were canceled. And you know, I was just walking around the journalism department. I'm looking at the professors. It looks like a little bit of worry on their face. So I went into Dave Tate's office and I was just talking to him. I'm like, so Dave, what are we going to do about midweek? I mean, a lot of our stuff we do is in studio, so gonna have to do something about that and he's like yeah I don't know man there's talks about maybe the semester even being canceled outright and giving you the grades right there and to be honest I was a big fan of that I was like please if that's gonna happen (laughs) please because I'm not about to do this at home I mean I'll do it if I have to but it would suck if I had to do this from home because it's such a different experience you know like we were talking about earlier about being able to go to work and you know the process of commuting i think you can say the same about going to classes and you know talking with your classmates not having to be six feet apart all those things you you take those things for granted and you know i really miss it now more than ever and i i have sat, sat in in some of my friends lectures on zoom just because i really missed it that much oh boy <laughs> just that experience of being in school again i know but even before the Pandemic even started in this final year of school, I was just already mentally preparing myself for the end, right, the end of an era, the end of this chapter of my life, and even in January, February, I wasn't ready for it yet, and I feel like I never prepared myself mentally for that, and it just happened so fast. i mean, I don't know if you can agree with that, Ria, because you were in the same radio class as me
1: yeah, um I think I agree with you about what like how you found out about it like I think I also found out about the virus through journalism classes and in midweek I remember when I think I think we were already going through like the COVID-19 news fatigue I feel like the midweek class people were like I don't want to do another story about COVID-19 so we we had like one show ironically right before classes ended we had one show where nobody had anything for COVID-19 and then suddenly we had to scramble and make three stories about it because there was a case positive case in Ottawa that day so we that's when I realized oh it got real because like now we're like forced to do stories about it and we have to it's in Ottawa now and then I remember like hanging out with some of the like some of our classmates in tim hortons after mm-hmm. and we're like oh wow that's crazy and then like the fire alarm went off and we all left and we're like well this is gonna be weird see you guys next week and then like that never happened
0: yeah so that, i remember the i remember conversations i had like with some of the journalism profs i was like oh i'll see you guys next week that the week before classes got canceled and it never happened and i will say this too i just remembered on our last broadcast of midweek in that winter semester, that was the day that the World Health Organization declared coronavirus a global pandemic. pandemic yeah. I remember that breaking out literally as we're on the air and then we're just like struggling to find a bunch of mm-hmm. COVID-19 stories, making calls here and there. Literally everyone in the in the room was calling someone to f- to find a source to interview. As mm-hmm. we're on the air, with maybe like 20 minutes left. Probably the most hectic situation we had in that class. But oh, man, just thinking about it now gives me like, sends a sense of chill down my spine because those were like really exciting times.
1: And I, just to go back to your point of like, how if I was like ready for it to end, I think. I was mentally preparing myself for this to be like the final semester and things will be over and I can move on even though it'll be sad. But I think I had prepared myself to be able to say goodbye to people Mm. in a normal setting. Like if I was, I would be prepared to say goodbye to professors that have seen me since like first year and evolve and become a better writer or whatever, or like say goodbye to students and peers and my friends that I've like made bonds with. And instead, it, it, I had to settle with, like, nothing and just going home. I don't think – and I don't think anybody could have saw that coming. I don't – I wasn't ready for that being the end. I was prepared for a much different ending.
0: <laughs> Definitely.
2: Uh, same for me. Like, me, I, like I'm literally going to be done school tomorrow. And it just is not ex- – nowhere near what I expected my ending to be. I thought it was going to be more fun. I was going to be with my friends – in ottawa there's gonna be some party celebration because it's been i know it's gonna be a long four four and a half years and it, it, life completely changes and I th- like the, the whole world changed i wanted to speak on some other things that like i noticed when i was realizing like the world was changing a lot was i know this was not that serious compared to the bigger stories but it was kind of funny seeing like like late night shows or move to like their home setting yeah and like these <laughs> late night shows like. It's really mm-hmm. funny, like the journalism training that we got at school is actually really valuable. And you can tell that they don't really have the best training because the equipment they have at home is just like the basic webcam and they they have a hall and it's like very echoey and the quality is not that good, but they have to carry on with the show. I thought it was just like really interesting to me. I was like, wow, like they're, they're actually not that, you know, well-trained <laughs> or and they're trying to adjust to what's going on in the world, you know?
1: Yeah, for, for sure transition for every career i think
0: yeah and even on the topic of doing podcasts the main reason why me and jeff wanted to start the nba most valuable podcast is because i was looking at these other podcasts on youtube and i was thinking like they're they're producing amateur level quality and you know they're they're doing this all over zoom why can't we do it so i that was the start of doing these podcasts Mm -hmm. and i just thought it was a good thing to do since you know At the time, anyway, I didn't have anything to do. So it kept me occupied for a little bit. But I guess I want to ask you guys about, you know, with all this talk about being in lockdown and Ontario is going into a second lockdown as of uh, December 26th. So if you're listening to this right now, we might already be in lockdown. But regardless, you know, I want to ask you guys, have you guys picked up any new hobbies or discovered anything about yourselves Mm -hmm. in lockdown?
2: For me, I really realized I am not an introvert. I hate doing this. I miss socializing. And I guess I was very used to a, a lifestyle in Ottawa where whenever I had nothing to do, I would always go out to s- see friends and go hang out with people. Or even like uh, going back to the thing of me, like going to school to do schoolwork is because I can see other people. And, you know, I've seen you know, some people, or like the real introverts, really love this time because their lifestyle wasn't changing much. They were already staying home, watching Netflix, watching shows. For me, yeah. I can't concentrate. I have a very, I canceled my Netflix. I don't yeah. want, like, I, I just, I don't know. I, I just wanted to, I yeah. didn't want to do any of that type of stuff. I wanted to go out, I wanted to go on trips and wanted to run around the world. Instead, I was yeah. stuck at home. Um, and lockdown and I was really struggling with that and I tried comp- doing some compromises like doing Zoom calls with people. Um, I got Jackbox TV so mm-hmm. we were playing some of that and drinking a little bit but it wasn't the same and I was really struggling with that. I was still respecting the pandemic rules but I was definitely like in the summer for example I every day I was like going for a run outside and because I just could not stand staying inside in my room, in my house all day. That was the biggest struggle for me. And I I guess in time I've had to like adjust because we have, I have no choice. But I really learned about myself that I can't do this. I don't like this. And I can't wait till things somewhat get back to normal.
0: Do you feel the same, Rio, or do you feel a little bit different?
1: Um, I think I feel a little bit different. I'm definitely more of like an introvert. I... I I like being at home on my own like choices and because I like just don't want to go out so I did I had a better time I guess in quarantine like I was able to watch a bunch of new shows Um, I was able to do more art and I guess like recently I picked up this isn't even like this is kind of pre-lockdown and I guess the days before but I, I started to transition from like traditional art to digital art. So that's been a fun thing that I'm probably just going to keep up during the second lockdown. Um, but yeah, on your note of like traveling, I was supposed to travel this year back to the Philippines. So that, I, that really sucked. Um, that was an unfortunate month that I realized I could have been in a completely different country instead of in my bedroom. But other than that, I guess it was okay. <laughs> I didn't have too much of a struggle.
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, I don't consider myself too much of an introvert or an extrovert. I'm kind of in the middle where, you know, I can flip a switch and I'm in my introvert mode, flip a switch and I'm in my extrovert mode. So I enjoy both really spending time by myself and also spending time with other people. But I think when it got to maybe the second month of just pure lockdown, being isolated at home, that's when I started really missing all my friends. You know, even when we do our Zoom calls or we're on Discord playing video games, I'm still thinking like, damn, I just want to go out with my friends and, you know, eat some good food or watch a movie or just do something outside with my friends. And that's from coming from me who, in university, I didn't even really socialize too much, if at all, really. So that's just saying something that, you know, as introverted as I was anyway, I really discovered that I still need that balance where I'm seeing people in real life and interacting with them. So there's that. And I think too, I really discovered that I'm also very comfortable just being at home at the same time. There's a lot of things you can do. For example, I picked up K dramas. This might be like the third time I've mentioned this on the podcast, but quarantine has really made me discover this new side of myself where I was like, damn, I've been missing out, and now I'm fully invested in this uh, new hobby of mine, which is watching K-dramas. So there's that. And I also coped a lot better because I also played video games growing up, so there's not really too much different with that. I just hop on Discord with my friends. We'd hop in a voice chat, and then we'd start playing some video games. So it's not really too different for me. But yeah, like I was saying earlier, I just really miss those days where I could go to Korean barbecue with my friends. You know, we can order a bottle of soju, we can talk, laugh, you know, eat some good food and really just enjoy ourselves in, you know, without the threat of a pandemic. And uh, I can say too, rest in peace to a lot of the all you can eat restaurants. Those are uh, go-to places for my friends and me, you know, all you can eat sushi, all you can eat Korean barbecue. I mean, Korean barbecue is still alive, but I know Mandarin kind of got shut down for the most part this year. And I don't know if they're going to make a comeback.
2: I read an article actually really early on. That was one of the first like reality checks that I took in Actually, I don't know why, cause I never even ate at these places often, but like they were saying like, this could be the death of like all you can eat buffets. The, yeah. the, the act of like going to different sections and grabbing your own food. Like, I think that dead. That might be dead forever. Yeah.
0: And I think too, just in general are, even though, you know, the pandemic sucks and everything, I, I do appreciate that people will, most people, anyway, are taking this new level of sanitary. Um, oh health, yes, mm-hmm. this I was gonna new say. level of like just clean, whole, all over cleanliness. I really appreciate that because, you know, thinking about it now, we lived so disgustingly mm-hmm. back, you know, like before this virus. Like goddamn, nobody was sanitizing nothing. You know, no masks.
2: You know, the thing was, yo, bare people did not wash their hands. Like, I see exactly. them go to the washroom and they freaking, they do their business and they walk out and I'm like...
0: Yeah, just walk out without even going to the sink. That's He
2: hands, man. And even now, I actually saw someone recently when I was I went to the mall um, before the, the lockdown and I saw a guy walk out without washing his hands in these times, Good bro. Good
0: Lord. Oh my God.
2: Some people are disgusting, man. Like, and you're right. Like, this time at least... For most people, I guess it taught people, and this it shouldn't come down to this, to be honest. It really yeah, shouldn't, but shouldn't. some people finally realize basic hygiene, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, damn, that's that it sucks that uh, it has to take a global pandemic for people to realize these things, but I'm glad people are realizing these things. I mean, even before the pandemic really popped off, I remember in March, I went on the bus and I was wearing a mask. And then a lot of people were just looking at me funny. They're like, what's going on? Why is this kid wearing a mask? But I was thinking like, bruh, there's a global pandemic going on right now. I mean, I well, know it's not that crazy in Ottawa yet, but watching a couple of weeks and then long and behold, right, everybody's wearing masks now.
2: But hey, I mean, Asians were already wearing masks before. Facts. Like the amount of right. fobs who are wearing masks. And I wanted to get one too. I was going to get it before it. I wouldn't say trendy. What before it got that's became necessary before it became necessary because I like the look of it and also you know it's just it's also a good precaution to have to I mean for them at from what I'm aware of, they were wearing masks because of the pollution in China, and it became just well, well. It's it's that.
0: As part of it is that, and also yeah. just in like places like Korea, Japan, for example, in and when it's flu season, a lot of people wear masks in order to uh, potentially not infect other people with their sickness it's not really more so for their protection it's more so for other people's protection yeah. mm-hmm. and people just do that as a common courtesy so well, th- that's where you, that started
2: do you think after this like pandemic really dials down that people still be wearing masks i think i will
0: ria are you going to wear a mask post-pandemic
2: i'm i i do not know
1: i don't know if i would i think I think in my head, maybe it would change to the point, like, if you were sick, people would be more inclined to, like, wear a mask if you yourself were, instead of, like, everybody. Maybe that would be adopted. I'm not sure if people in general would still be wearing masks if we are all vaccinated and everything's gone, but not sure about that. What are your thoughts?
0: I mean, I understand why people don't want to wear—why some people, anyway, don't want to wear masks. I don't want to say everyone. No, let's make that's... that very clear. But there are people that have tr- difficulty breathing with these masks, so I understand that. But for me, anyways, I don't, I don't have a problem wearing a mask at all. Honestly, I could wear that thing probably six hours a day, and I'll be okay. It just depends on what mask. But I, I generally like wearing the cloth ones. I find those more comfortable on my face, so I, I honestly don't mind wearing a mask post pandemic. You know even if the vaccine's out just because flu season's still like a really big thing and i almost get sick every year when i was going out regularly into the world right so i feel like if i started wearing masks a lot earlier i would have gotten sick a lot less so hopefully that comes into fruition over the next couple of years
2: i think during the winter um it's going to be really cool too to wear just because it'll mm-hmm. just keep your face warm
0: yeah exactly it's it's brutally cold in the winter in canada and especially in ottawa like can you imagine those f- minus 40 days when you'd have to go to school just imagine having a mask and then putting on a scarf that'll cover your face from the frost uh, frostbite mm.
2: yeah but another thing is like um does wearing a mask like cause more breakouts of acne or do you- yes i think yeah. it does
1: <laughs> it absolutely does because i have been going through that
2: uh. Ah. Yeah which is like my only thing
1: that i like i my pet peeve about wearing a mask is like how it affects my skin but i will wear them obviously but yeah there are there are ways you can treat it though so it's like not that big of a deal Mm
2: -hmm. yeah another critique is like well is that you can't really hear people with um talking through a mask but i don't know for me it's never been a problem i can hear people fine
0: i mean i've had that where some people couldn't hear me through a mask so what I do is I just lift my mask over my face a little bit and then, you know, so the mask isn't like pressed on my face, right? So people can hear me properly. It just takes something as easy as that to, you know, alleviate that problem.
2: Yeah. Um, so I think I wanted to just transition to this uh, conversation. Um, and I guess I could start first because I wanted to talk about like what's really changed, like in terms of mentality this year just kind of continuing off the bit of the combo we were having before because as i reflect on this year and it's been a very very tough year we were talking a little bit about consuming the news um there has been a lot of things that have been going on in the world on top of the pandemic itself Mm -hmm. i and i think part of that is the motivation of creating the show that we have today um, I think we should talk about because we are Asian Connection. This show is about Asian issues, and with this pandemic, has also uh, there has also been a rise of anti-Asian racism. I was wondering if you any of you guys gone through any of that this year.
0: I, I don't want to say that I went through it because my experience. Like, it's it's not even close to what I've seen other people experience in this time. But I just remember, like I was saying earlier, I was wearing a mask maybe in March when the pandemic just really started to pop off. It wasn't at all really that big in Canada. And I was on the bus just wearing a mask. And I can just remember I was on a bus full of a bunch of white people. And, uh, you know, I just got a lot of looks. And that's not necessarily racism. I mean I don't want to generalize it as racism but I did feel a little uncomfortable just because people were staring me down constantly looking at me and I'm just trying to get home with my groceries wearing a mask I mean what's wrong with that right and then there was all the racism about Chinese people specifically when the virus came out you know Donald Trump said his said his things about the virus and I I don't want to repeat that but you know it, it was just really tough time because it felt like almost no one was defending the Asians in that's in that sense besides other Asians and it it felt really sad because you know people are just outright being discriminated for no reason
1: Mm -hmm. I myself didn't go through anything either I mean like down in trenton where i'm a minority for sure like i feel like i did get a few stares here and there but i but i nothing nothing like outright what i found really hard for me was like seeing social media like people just proudly almost like bashing asian people yeah grouping us together as all the same and saying like hateful things and even like other people of color just like kind of turning their backs on us as well which I found so awful because in my head I'm like I don't know if you guys like saw these things but I saw some people justify racism towards Asians because they grouped like Asians as like not supportive of like Black Lives Matter Mm. and stuff like and I was so offended by that because that doesn't okay I understand that there is a lot of like anti-black sentiment in some Asian cultures but I I personally don't don't view that like that like i per- i obviously i stand with black lives matter so i felt really hurt that like i would stand for them but they wouldn't be standing for me in this like or that person wouldn't be standing for me in that sense like not to generalize them back but i don't know that social media is where i saw a lot of the hate starting and thankfully none of it was directed at me but i don't know jeff what did you think about it
2: uh before i get to that i guess i can relate with john too like i didn't really Face personal racism myself, other than I guess I remember like uh, when I went to Walmart, and you know, especially I don't think people are following as much these days, but especially earlier on, you know, they have those arrows where you're kind of like supposed to follow one way going on these aisles. And you know, I was going along this aisle and I saw this person, this person was looking at me, and then she quickly grabbed whatever she was looking at, kind of rushed to her shopping cart, and then just like really like sped walk away. And I just kind of like, kind of laughed at my head because I was like, "Wow, really?" Like, you know. Yeah. That, and th- this was in a white tan, um, and I was like, "Yeah, that's kind of it." But I don't think it's nowhere near like you said uh, to what other people were facing, especially in the United States. In my video class, um, when we had to create our last documentary from home, I was I chose to do it on anti Asian racism, and I looked at a lot of stories. There was a viral video of an old man in San Francisco, um, Chinese guy, and he was collecting garbage, I believe, on the streets. I can't remember exactly. He was just going through people's garbage. I think grabbing things to make money because he was trying to survive. And a group of Black people, unfortunately, they, they ganged up on him and they are like, saying stuff like i hate chinese people and stole his stuff and pushed him and harassed him and there was other videos like that too i remember there was another video i was looking at where these these people these kids these chinese kids got jumped in philadelphia and i was seeing all that and you know just like what real saying was about the sentiment of how people of other communities we're turning their back on us a little bit. Like, yeah, of course, like same thing with me, I, support, I stand with Black Lives Matter, but the fact that some person wouldn't stand up for me. But then I looked at it as a community thing. And I think you mentioned the world generalization and I, we can definitely go into deeper, deeper conversations in another episode, because I have a lot of things to say on this because uh, with my work I do as a journalist with like, for example, Street Voices, and kind of like what I want to do as a journalist, I look on these type of relationships and try to strengthen the Asian community. Um, but this whole war that we have is just based on generalizations, right? Saying that um, these it's, and it can go the same way too, because we can look at, say, that San Francisco guy story, for example. We can look at those group of black people and be like, "Oh wow, all blacks are racist against Asians, and that's mm-hmm. why we shouldn't support Black Lives Matter." It's yep. both ways, right. Right. and in order to build the conversations that start, in, what needs to start is we need to stop generalizing each other. Exactly. And that's the b- first step into building connections with the other communities. And I think that's one of the biggest things I want to accomplish with this show. We need to work on our issues with as part of the members of the Asian community and then help build relationships with other people so we can unify and rectify all the issues of racism that are going on in society. And that's that's a big goal going into next year that I want to have with this show.
0: Yeah, and I mean, just on speaking on the points about how you know, it felt like other communities were turning their backs against the Asian community and vice versa. I feel like there's always going to be groups within all communities that harbor some sort of ill will or discrimination against other groups. I mean, that's just a fact of life. Not everyone's going to get along. And for most reasons are really dumb why people won't get along. But, you know, I think too, just going back onto your point about you know, how Asians were being portrayed during that time of, you know, when the virus was first really breaking out. I feel like a media played a really big role in that discrimination because, I mean, I I wrote a whole paper on this for one of my last assignments in university. And at the time, all the articles that were talking about coronavirus just had generally East Asian people on it. Like, I, I don't know if they're necessarily Chinese, but just having that fact alone already perpetuates the idea that Asians are the ones that are carrying this virus, which was completely not true. And that, that was the thing that came on later in the year where, you know, the virus doesn't discriminate between races. It's a virus, right? And the fact that people couldn't understand that and continue to spew that hate against the Asian community. I mean, I don't want to be a downer, but I just became really cynical this year because I've just almost come to the exception where I feel like no one's really gonna or not not everyone's really gonna be on the same page regardless of what you believe or you know what you stand for there's always going to be people that don't agree with it for one specific reason and for me I still want to somehow understand the society that I'm living in and it's hard to yeah I think
2: I think in times like this you know you see a video like that or see some of the things that are, are being said and you catch yourself in a moment of anger and I, I caught myself too and i had these feelings of like wow no one's gonna understand what it means uh no one's gonna support asians and also just connecting that with the things of the past like the things i've not known in the past about how in my view i've always felt like asians were the easiest to be clowned on so with this situation like this i think that connecting for example connecting this with the stereotype that asian people eat weird animals and then just kind of like zoning in on that stereotype and just vilifying us it was you you're right you, you catch yourself in a moment of anger and then you kind of feel like no one's going to understand this and you want to isolate like our communities so we must fight for our asian people and we must isolate and no one else is going to stand for us and I just feel like that's obviously after you get out of that moment of anger and be more reflective, you're like, that's not the best way to solve every Anything we need to isolating ourselves is part of the reason why other people were not a big fan of Asia, the Asian community, because they always felt like the Asian community was not speaking up on their issues. So we got to all just like sit down, like get out of our egos. Cause we do, we, all of us have egos. We need to get rid of our egos and have these, have this dialogue, have these conversations. And that's one of the key things to take out of this situation.
0: For sure. And I feel like a lot of people aren't still ready to have those conversations or, you know, have that maturity to have conversations where everybody's open to discussing these topics because some people are just stuck in their old ways. And I feel like it's still a lot of, you know, people still have to work on themselves it's it's not something that's going to be solved overnight when we talk about the black lives matter movement and all the civil unrest going on throughout the whole world it's not something that we can just solve overnight if we have a little round table conversation it's an act it it takes action in order to solve these things not just it takes conversation but it also takes action it's, it's like it's it's a process so that first step really is to be comfortable with having those conversations first and, you know, being open to new ideas. And once we can do that, we can start to take action and, you know, work on relationships accordingly. Uh, that's how I see it anyway. I mean, Rhea, how, how do you view this sort of dilemma that we have right now with all the unrest going on throughout the world?
1: I think that's like a big issue to speak on. And I I don't, I definitely don't have all the answers. I don't think anyone does, but I agree with what you two are saying. Like it has to start somewhere, right? Like we can't just keep letting it slide. It'll just get worse if we don't do anything about it. I don't know how or where we're gonna start, but I guess just having these conversations is a good place with like people that you know, people in your circle. I think that's one thing I've also learned in 2020 with like a lot of the events that have been happening this year. A lot of conversations need to be have with your family and peers because a lot of them just, just, they have these opinions you don't agree with, but it's just because they haven't been given the context or like understanding behind anything really. So I guess my, my point, my point of view is just to have more conversations with people about how things are.
2: I think this pandemic has, in some ways, helped some of these conversations. On the issue of Black Lives Matter, um, I think the George Floyd murder was something that really, because everyone was at home, it caused more people to, like, be aware of it, because I just, this isn't the first uh, issue at all. There's been issues for years, but I don't think the conversation has ever been as big as it is right now and the, the attention, the, the cross-platform uh, recognition of it. The NBA has, for example, just briefly speaking on the sports side, uh, the NBA has always been, One of the better leagues in speaking up on these issues. But for example, like a league, even like the NHL, a hockey league that's never talked about these issues, and that's something I've critiqued because they've never spoken up on social issues, finally took a stance. It wasn't the biggest stance or the strongest stance, but they finally took a stance. And I think that was part of the pressure coming from people at home, taught like rather than, I guess, people weren't paying attention as much when they were going to work or whatever. Um, And then the protest. Even despite, you know, with the pandemic and there was a little controversy, I think what was more important, but I think obviously the right decision of like everyone protesting was a big issue. I think the conversations that were being had also within the Asian community were very important because uh, I'm going to re- be referencing them a lot throughout this show because I really, really respect them. But Wong Fu Productions created a very strong video that I was like so captivated by. They made a video called Why We Stand for Black Lives Matter. And in those conversations, they were obviously talking about how they weren't the best people to talk about because they weren't Black people themselves, but we can speak on the Asian perspective. And they encouraged people, uh, for people our age, to speak to our parents about it because there is anti-Blackness in Asian culture. Uh, Another conversation that was um, really interesting was talking about comparing the refugee struggle to the issues of the black community because you know they were there was some conversations about how like the, one of the reasons why stereotypically asians don't really speak up on these type of issues is because the, par- the our parents and grandparents come from war torn countries fleeing like violence and all the inhumane acts they're they're trying to escape that and they came to north america To create their own life and when they got here they kind of like wanted to that's part of the reason why they try to avoid all these issues and that's why stereotypically most asians haven't really been involved politically socially haven't spoken up and that's why we get that reputation and he he was really trying to bring out the point that that culture needs to change because it's starting to instill into our culture and we need to change that narrative and the struggles of our parents are definitely a struggle, but is a different struggle from the African-Americans living here. And that was, that I, the fact that he had to distinct that, he distincted that. And also he made those those that video available in different languages so that they can understand as well. I think that was just a very, very monumental, great step for the Asian community because they are like, you know, the Wang Fu Productions, I think they're one of the, more influential voices for the Asian community. I thought that was a really inspiring moment that helped me think and reflect on how I view our community and what steps are taken forward. And that was one of the motivations why I wanted to do this show. For
0: sure. For sure. And, you know, on that topic of seeing your favorite creators or your, you know, influential figures really speak out on this, I feel like it really helped to rally the, the conversation and really, you know, bring it to the forefront because there have been times in the past, like I think maybe, I want to say it was almost 11 years ago or something when the Black Lives Matter movement was a big talking point. And it it gained a lot of traction back then, but it definitely wasn't sustained over, you know, a long period of time. And I feel like now anyways, a lot more people are also, you know, speaking on it but also taking action in order to really make a difference so guys like lebron james for example paying the bail for inmates that you know may have been wrongfully tried for crimes that they didn't do that was really huge we saw a lot of celebrities and even on, not even celebrities but just a lot of people donate to these causes i feel like that was really important and one of the good things that came out of this
2: year I think also, um, I know, uh, speaking on the American perspective, and you mentioned the NBA, they also were very involved in uh, the election and encouraging people to vote because this was also a big year in terms of the election happening, Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. That changes the discourse of the United States, which changes the discourse of the world. And um, obviously, we know what happened at the end, and that was a big part of the fact that people were finally paying attention i think pandemic had to play a part to play with that too again because people were at home and they were consuming more than they normally would than during pre pandemic conditions
0: yeah and on that note i guess um a lot of people have gotten their eyes open this year with not just the coronavirus but also all the civil unrest discrimination black lives matter all that stuff coming to fruition this year but I want to ask you guys, what are sort of the biggest lessons for yourselves, anyway, that you've taken out from this year? I mean, Ria, how about you tell us first?
1: I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned this year is that everything is so temporary and you you never really know. And for me, that comes from like not just that school ended or like my academic or career plans have changed, but that people in my life are no longer with me. And I lost not just my my Lola, but I've lost two people who were like grandmothers to me when I was so far away from my own this year. And I think the major thing I've learned is that you never know. So you should probably like spend more time with people that you love while you still can take more photos with them because you'll never know when that's like the only thing you have left. Um, and yeah, that's my major takeaway is that I should have cherished the people and the time I had with them way more because you just never really know when you can't even say goodbye to them.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's definitely a good thing to take away. Um, for me, it's about understanding your purpose and living life to your fullest. This has been definitely the most, uh, one of the hardest years I've ever had in my entire life. I've grown a lot. I was definitely going through some depression. And this year has taught me to kind of understand why you're alive, understand why you're doing all of this, and because there were moments during this year where i kind of got lost focus on what my purpose was and it's been i think i had a lot of time where i was just like thinking about the world and thinking about how grateful i am that i'm not in the position that other people are in because people have gotten worse than me no matter not to devalue what i've been through but there have been people who gone through worse and they were able to overcome that. And if they were able to overcome that, I was able to do that too. So I learned a lot about myself this year. And going into 2021, no matter what happens, I'm going to try and work my butt off, stay focused on what matters to me, which is making my family proud and hopefully having my work help the world, help society, influence change. That's what motivates me as a journalist, so it's those are the things that I t- that I took away from this year. I learned a lot about myself
0: yeah, and I definitely agree with both of what you guys said there. I think almost everybody to an extent has taken similar things away from this year. I think for me, and I alluded to it earlier, but I really learned to and I'm going to steal this from Norman Powell, but I learned how to understand the grind because you know. T- like I was saying earlier, I just took a lot of the trivial things in life for granted, you know, and I remember too being in third year, being in second year, I'm just like, I just want to graduate already and get this over with and get out of here. You know, I'm always in a rush, I think to reach my goals and I hold myself to a standard where if I haven't reached my goals at a certain point, then to me, that's like a failure, but I feel that's, that's a good mindset to have in terms of pushing yourself, but it can also be a really toxic one because like I was saying earlier, there's some things that you just can't control in life. There's some circumstances that you can't control and you just got to learn how to roll with the punches. And I feel like that's been so prevalent more than ever this year. You know, especially when you're watching the news every day and then, okay, there's like 65 million cases of COVID now the next day, 66 million. And a month from now, it's like 80 or something like that, right? It can be so overwhelming to see those numbers. And then you look at the economy, everything's down. You start to think, how am I going to buy a house? How am I going to do all these things in my mid-20s? And you start yeah. to think, how's this going to affect my 30s, my 40s? All just because of this one year.
2: There's also the threat of global warming. that people global warming. Are It feels like
0: so many things are looming, right? But at the end of the day, a lot of those things aren't in your control. You can do your part to, you know, lessen your ecological footprint. In terms of global warming, you know, there's a lot of little changes you can make in your life to impact these things. But on the grander scale, there's a lot that you can't control. So you just got to learn how to understand the grind. You know, don't put yourself down just because you didn't achieve a certain goal this year, you know, just keep pushing at it. And, I think a a quote that I've seen somewhere on Instagram, it was on someone's page that I didn't follow, but I just knew of. And I I don't remember what the quote was anymore, but it goes something along the lines of, you know, everybody lives life at their own pace and at their own, at their own clock. So you shouldn't be envious of someone because they're in a position that you want to be in right now. You should really learn to live life at your own pace because Mm -hmm as much as it's important to live life every day to the fullest it's also important to realize that life isn't a competition it's not about it's not all about reaching your goals it's also about cherishing the journey along the way again as cliche as it sounds right
2: well since you brought out a quote i got to put out a quote too um shout out to master uguay from kung fu panda my no, guy the classic he, his quote was i uh, remember this one of my favorite quotes yesterday is history tomorrow is a mystery and today is a gift that is why they call it the present <laughs> so okay I, look-
0: I have to pull out a real quote now too since you pulled out a quote uh, <laughs> this is actually the quote i put in my graduation um in my yearbook in high school um oh, it was dead. it was by henry s haskins and it's it's funny that i still remember this but I never always like kept it in my mind like every day as a motto, but what lies before us and what lies behind us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So regardless of what's happened in your past, regardless what's ahead of you in the future, what really matters is how you feel on the inside about everything going on. I mean, that's the way I interpret it anyway.
2: Yeah, that was your high school, uh, your book quote? Uh, yeah. ah, oh.
1: pretty deep for a high school senior.
0: I know. When uh, other people had like uh D's nuts because they oh, were 16. Um what else? Uh just do it, like the Shia LaBeouf meme. You know? Uh don't let your memes be dreams. That was another one that I remember. But yeah, I've always been somewhat of a sentimental type of person. Even in high school as a 12th grader
2: damn i messed up i didn't i forgot to put my quote from my yearbook because i wasn't paying attention man i just wanted to get out i didn't put anything on i'm so mad because i would have oh, put some damn. sentimental thing too mine was like i think it yeah it was a quote from like the powerpuff girl so
1: i did not take this seriously <laughs> the power- mm-hmm. i
0: also remember someone quoting dragon ball z so i mean it is what it is it's high school it's, it's whatever. You can't fault. Uh, how old were we in like 12th grade? I don't remember. 17, 17? 17?
2: 17 or 18. 18. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, you can't fault a 17-year-old or 18-year-old. I mean, I, I can't even imagine the insight that I really gained over the four years I was in university between then and now. Like, I feel like I just evolved so much. And this year, too, I feel like my, pers- my perspectives have been broadened so much my understanding of myself and, you know, my understanding of this career we're taking in, in the media sphere anyway, I feel like I've just learned so much. And that's another thing I'm very thankful for is that regardless of what's going on at the end of the day, I'm always learning. And I'm, I think that's a big thing that everyone should take away from this year is that we're still learning to all, try to get along on this rock we call earth, you know, we're still learning to process really complex feelings, you know, and dealing with these things in real time. But sometimes we just got to take a step back, take a deep breath, you know, take in your surroundings, cherish the ones you love around you and take action for one thing. And also, you know, just love people more, honestly.
2: Do you think next year will be a better year?
0: Mm. As much as I wanted to end on a positive note, I I don't know, man. I mean, we'll have to see. Uh, That's like one of our favorite things we like to say on the NBA Most Valuable Podcast when we don't know what's going to happen. We'll have to see. But I really think that next year we're going to learn a lot more about you know the world in general than we did this year because now that literally shit has gone to the roof. Like shit has gone to the wall and everything. I think we're really going to see the true colors of a lot of people. And we're starting to see that now with uh, the COVID idiots, for example, you know, we're starting to see the true nature of people. So I think if anything next year, I I I hate to say it, but it's going to be 2020, the sequel, right? Oh boy. I I mean, not just because 2021 is like the sequel to 2020, but, you know, it's not like the COVID vaccine is gonna be rolled out efficiently everywhere, for example. I mean, there are even some reports that I've read where third world countries might not even get the vaccine until twenty twenty four. There's a lot of stuff that of that going around. And, you know, all the anti vax discussions too, which are very complex. I mean, it's not just people questioning science. There's also a long history about it that I still need to be educated on. But regardless, I'm I'm just happy that I'm alive going into the next year, if anything. And whatever happens, like I said, I'm just going to roll with the punches because that's what I've learned this year. And whatever happens, I'm just going to keep going.
2: Mm-hmm. That's a, definitely a good mindset to have. I think for this show, I just want to say, I think we're going to be very big this year. We're going to have a big, sorry, next year. I think we're going to have a good year next year clip this save this and we can ref- look back at it for next year around this time and see if i was right or wrong but uh i'm very hopeful for this show
0: that's uh jeff's guarantee i'm not guaranteeing anything <laughs> i'm just rolling with the punches
1: i think we can keep like an optimistic mindset that maybe we can do a lot better or do so much uh, more next year but
2: Don't worry, I could be the cocky, confident guy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that really works out for you because uh, it balances out the mid-levelness of me and I guess the meekness of or the humbleness of Rhea. So we got a good balance of personalities here.
2: I could be humble too. (laughs) Yeah,
0: but you're most often not.
2: I think more and more, yeah, as I'm really getting more comfortable with who I am and understanding what my personality is, yeah, I'm very like uh, out of the world i mean out of like i don't know like i'm not very outgoing i'm very out i guess more confident cocky sometimes i don't know
1: <laughs> it's not to say that's a bad thing no no it's, it's not. definitely not we definitely need someone with some confidence on this team <laughs>
0: <laughs> for sure and you know i, I don't want to put the confident people down or the cocky people down because you definitely you're definitely needed in times where you know we're not confident about the year coming up we need someone to say nah, guys." It's going to be good. Guys, gals, everybody out there, we're going to be okay. 2021 is going to be the comeback year. You know, af- I can't imagine after all of this is over, once, you know, people are widely vaccinated and the virus is somewhat of an afterthought, I can't imagine the parties in the streets. Okay. Ooh, it's going to be like we won World War Three. Like, you know, you know, after like World it, War II, when, yeah, uh, they had like the victory parties right it's gonna be like parties in the streets man
2: oh my days i'm gonna be blackout drunk every day yo i'm gonna go be litty oh i, I don't know if
0: you want to air that for the public but
2: uh, no joking <laughs> maybe i don't know it's, it's I'll be a lit.
0: disclaimer just a joke
2: i'll be turning up that's all i'll be i'll be turning up i can't wait for clubs to open it, or concerts i wonder when that's gonna be like actually normal like mm-hmm because yep. I really miss concerts. I'm luckily, I'm lucky enough to go have gone to a few uh, in my past. I don't know if you guys have gone to any before, but it's a different experience. And like, I know they were trying to do some concerts during this pandemic with like the car, but like like drive through, like or like just sitting in the car and taking the concert. But it's not the same. Like, you, it's fun having the proximity of people, and you know, having all those people like screaming and chanting the art, uh, the songs. Uh, I really miss that. And it's going to sporting events, too. Um, yeah,
0: man. I haven't been to a Raptors game since 2018 in the playoffs. Man, I really regret not going to the playoffs in 2019, the year we won the title. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go on about the Raptors too much. And, like, uh, just a, as, a, as a quick aside, that was one thing I really missed when the pandemic hit is not having that routine of being able to watch sports every day.
2: But Oh, yeah. Regardless. Starting it back to normal. I mean, things are... They're setting it up so that it can be normal again. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep in mind, at least, if they—if there's no quick cases that would affect things back to uh, it shutting down. But we'll mm-hmm.
0: see. Yeah, but on that note, I hope you guys have had somewhat of a... Well, I mean, it wasn't a good year, but I hope you guys have taken some things away from this really... I guess I want to call it a transformative year in a lot of ways. It's been eye-opening for a lot of people. We learned a lot of things. We've also lost a lot of things. But the point is, is that we got to head in strong into 2021 and just keep at it with everything that's going on. So on that note, this has been the AZN Connection Podcast. You can find our social media on Instagram at AZN underscore Connection. Be sure to give us a follow. Make sure you guys help out by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts if you're listening there. It really helps out with the rankings in order for our podcast to be discovered. So, uh, salutes to all the people out there that are part of the five-star gang. I'm going to start start that uh, saying, the five-star gang. So,
2: shout-out to y'all. Can you see who gives us the five stars? Because I don't have Apple Music.
0: No, I can't. But I can oh. see how many people have given us five-star reviews. So, Shout out to like the, uh, I guess, I I don't know how many it is now. The last time I checked a couple weeks ago, there was like seven five-star reviews, I believe. So shout out to the seven of you, part of the five-star gang. But uh, on that note, we're going to be closing out 2020 with this podcast. We're going to be back in 2021 with a whole new load of topics. We got a lot on the back burner to address. And until then,
2: we're out. See you next year.
0: Happy New Year.